Coming up on today's Locked On Big Ten, we've got Jay Stevens in to talk about what was about two quarters of a heart attack on Thursday night and also a big week of week one action around the Big Ten. Conference looked pretty good. We'll ask Jay all about it right here on Locked On Big Ten. You are Locked On Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Here on a Monday after a week one filled with Big Ten action, a great game in between Wisconsin and Penn State, a bit of a snooze fest in Iowa between the Hawkeyes and the Hoosiers. But we start with Jay Stevens of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast here on Locked On Big Ten on a Monday to talk about the Buckeyes and the Gophers back on Thursday. Jay, we had your kind of initial reaction right after the game in our Friday show. But we've got the time to ask you about it here right now, actually live. How are you doing after a bit of a scare on Thursday night, at least for a little while? Buckeyes were able to pull away at the very end and did flex a lot of those strengths we've talked a lot about throughout the game. Feeling well. Feeling very well. The strengths that you mentioned, they did exercise them throughout portions of the game. The weaknesses, they were kind of magnified at some points during the game. And I really wonder how the fourth quarter would have gone if Muhammad Ibrahim would have been healthy and if he did not tear his Achilles or have an Achilles injury that knocks him out the rest of the season. If he was still healthy, if he was still in the game, I truly wonder how the fourth quarter would have gone, how Ryan Day would have gone with the defense. But all in all, it was a good day. Ohio State won. You got to see how Ohio State's explosive offense can be at the drop of a hat. They can score a lot of points in a short amount of time. It's just a good win. Big 10 win, road win. There's a lot of positives there. And let's just stick with the positives to start this show off. Well, let's talk about, obviously, the man who everyone was looking at most out there for the Buckeyes, C.J. Stroud. Only 10 points in that first half. Had some help from the defense later on, but ends up helping put up 35 points in that second. What did you make out of the freshman's debut out there against a pretty decent Minnesota defense? Or at least it was stout for a little while there. He looked, like a, he looked like a guy that was making his very first start in college football. Forget everything and everybody, all the weird narratives that we've heard all offseason season long. He looked like a guy that was starting his very first game in college football. In the second half, you got to see a guy that got to show off a few of his skills. Now, granted, you have guys that like Wilson, like Alave, like uh, Williams, like Henderson. It's going to make your job a whole lot easier. You have a really, 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 really good offensive line which is going to help you stay upright when you're trying to read what the defense is doing. But he looked like a guy making his very first start. And I think what I liked was how he looked in the second half. Five of eight, over 200 passing yards. I think over, I think it was uh, over 250 possibly. Four passing touchdowns. He looked very comfortable at the same time. You saw Ryan Day call passes and call plays to help Stroud get more comfortable in the offense. And so... First start looked really good at times, looked rough at times, but those are the things you expect when a guy is making his very first start. Jay, you told us you were feeling good off the top. I want you to show your hand a little bit more here. When you weren't feeling great, when the team's down, what's something that at least 
right now you're still a little bit concerned about after week one? Give us a weakness. We've given you so much as far as how good Ohio State is. A weakness. It goes to the philosophy that we saw on defense. Playing everybody on defense played made absolutely no sense. Now, I understand there's a thought process that Ohio State may have gone into this game knowing there was no way they were going to lose to Minnesota. That's great. Once again, you want to let the best players play and let them get comfortable playing the football. Once you get out there one series, two series, oh, you come out, you can't get into a groove and get the ebb and flow back and forth of the game. And Ohio State played a lot of guys on defense and going up against the Oregon team in a week from now, that is going to do a lot of RPOs that's in the bread and butter of their offense. A linebacker group that you saw a lot of guys off the bench that played very well. Some guys that started didn't do so hot. I wonder who's going to start. And I also wonder if they can get into a groove in the game. Because if you're, if you're constantly bringing guys in and out, especially at the linebacker position where your eye discipline and reading your assignment and sticking to your assignment is very, very important, that could hinder, that could hurt how effective your defense is against Anthony Brown and the offensive attack of the Oregon Ducks. Jay, this Ohio State team, I think everyone could agree if it was playing its A game the entire game, this would not have been as close as it was throughout a majority of this matchup. How close to full power do you think we saw out there on Thursday from this Ohio State squad? Oh, no. Oh, no. You didn't, I mean, that was what, a B game from Ohio State? I'm not, I'm not trying to like... like That's well, what I'm asking. I'm, I'm being completely honest. I think that was more of a B game for Ohio State. If Ohio State plays their best guys on defense... Fully healthy. Ohio State wasn't even fully healthy at all. You had uh, Cam Brown, who was injured on defense, cornerback. Seven Banks, injured on defense, cornerback. You started a true freshman in Denzel Burke, who played very well. Your starting center, Harry Miller, was not there. You played backup center, Luke Whipler, who looked like a starter. That's how good he is. So I think you got a B game from Ohio State. If you get an A- minus or an A game, Ohio State probably scores 50, honestly. And that's it being light probably 55 points against Minnesota. And Minnesota probably doesn't have the same effect running the ball or scoring the points that they get in the second half if Ohio State plays their best football because that's how good they are. Ohio State's best, when they play their best players, they're going to mop almost everybody in the Big Ten. Ohio State absolutely has the talent. They'll hope to be closer to an A game again against Oregon in another big matchup that's coming up soon here early in the season for the Buckeyes. Jay, we're going to get into the rest of the Big Ten matchups throughout the weekend here on the show today. Before we dive into all that, though, I got to pick your brain first on the Penn State Nittany Lions. We'll get into, into that game in a moment, but what were your first impressions from that team that looks to be the Buckeyes' biggest opponent competitor in that side of the Big Ten? Those are two really good defenses. It all starts up front, then to the linebackers, and then to the secondaries. Those are two really good defenses. Graham Mertz, Sean Clifford look like what we expected, but those defenses are going to turn heads and make it very, very difficult for Wisconsin and the Big Ten West opponents, Penn State and the Big Ten East opponents. Those defenses are good. People have said all offseason we might see the defenses be ahead of the offenses early in the season. And in that game, it showed those defenses are really, really good. 
Well, we'll leave it at that for only just a moment. I definitely want to talk more about those defenses. You're listening into a Monday edition of Locked On Big Ten alongside Jay Stevens. I'm Nate Dickinson. We got a new sponsor to tell you about, and it's Sweatblock. Now, Sweatblock has, if you don't know, some of the best products out there to just making sure that you're not sweating too much. It's the summer months, and it's the dog days of summer now in August. But Sweatblock has you covered. If you have that one shirt that you tried on at the store, it fit perfectly, you looked great, perfect shirt for you. But then you go out in that hot weather for the first time in it, and it just absolutely gets drenched in sweat. Some people sweat a lot, but some clothes just aren't meant to take any sort of sweat, really, it seems. So if you end up having one of those shirts that just you seem to sweat through every time, or if you do just seem to sweat more than normal people, you can try out the sweat block wipes to see if it will work for you. And if it doesn't, they'll get your money back. These things are up to seven days effective on your underarms with one set of wipes. Just wipe them on your arms real nice and easy to do, and you're protected, good to go for up to a week. And again, if it doesn't keep your underarms dry, they will refund you your money. And you can save money, too, by using our promo code at the site. Go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your order. That's 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's locked on the promo code. Go try them out. You're going to come back for more. This stuff really, really does work. Back in here on Locked On Big Ten. It's everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. Alongside our Monday co-host, Jay Stevens, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're talking about all the week one matchups here in the Big Ten in what was a pretty good showing for the conference in the first week. The in-conference games provided a lot of really entertaining football. The out-of-conference games were big wins pretty much across the board for the Big Ten, except for Illinois. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we'll talk first about the biggest games that everyone wants us to talk about, Jay. Wisconsin and Penn State was a big kickoff to the season, one of the biggest first games we saw all year. And especially for that noon kickoff on Saturday, it did not disappoint. A classic Big Ten game, a game that was 0-0 at halftime and ends up being a Penn State win. This team now 1-0 and Wisconsin now already a game behind on the other side of the Big Ten. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we mentioned before, you mentioned it. This defense, both defenses, stellar, and I'm wondering how far it can take them because it seems like the sky's the limit with how good they were last or over the weekend. Yeah, the sky, the sky is possibly can't say that just yet. At least in my estimation, possibly the limit because of how well the defenses are. I think the one thing I here's going to be some negatives that come out. I try to start the show positive, Nate, but now the negative stuff might come out. I think with how good those defenses are, they're going to be in contention to win a lot of games in the Big Ten. Whenever Penn State plays Ohio State, I think it's towards the end of October. I firmly believe that they'll be in that game as well. So I'm not trying to knock and say their defense isn't up to Ohio State standards. I honestly think that will be a bigger matchup than a lot of people thought it will be at the end of October because of how well Penn State played yesterday. Now, also, let's not overreact. It is one game. So we have to see next two, three, four, five games. 
Is that sustainable? Is that a one-hit wonder? What's going to happen down the road between the Wisconsin and Penn State defenses? I think the one thing that may hold both of these teams back to being as successful as they possibly can be, Graham Mertz at Wisconsin, Sean Clifford at Penn State. I have not been a believer in either one. I think Sean Clifford has his own limitations Graham Mertz to me is kind of similar to a Jack Cone. Does he is he a big up like upgrade? That's still to be determined. But even if you erase last year, all the good and all the bad, it's still to be determined for me. The one thing I think that Wisconsin doesn't have this year is kind of a Cephas type receiver. A Cephas player, I think 2019-2018 at Wisconsin, a receiver that can kind of beat you deep, can take the top off the defense. I'm still waiting to see one game, like I said, so let's not overreact. But I'm still waiting to see if they have a receiver that can take the top off the defense, that can uh, kind of open things up for people. You get the defense kind of going three, four, five yards back, not even realizing they're doing it before the play. It opens up the gaps that the running back has to run through once he gets to the second level. So the defenses are phenomenal through one game. I'm so curious what the quarterback situations will be, how they'll progress if they do progress, and if they don't, do they derail them? Penn State from getting in the Big Ten championship game, Wisconsin from taking a trip to another trip to Indianapolis and being in the Big Ten championship game for themselves. Let's not beat around the bush here, Jay. Whoever it is, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, if you want your ceiling to be higher than Big Ten championship game, you got to beat Ohio State. And even if you have the best offense your defense in the country, Ohio State can put up 28, 30 points against the best defense in the country. So unless your offense and Sean Clifford or Graham Mertz or whoever it is can really, really step up in a way that neither showed any signs of in that week one matchup, there's no way any of these teams are going to be able to beat Ohio State. They can have the best defense in the country, but Mm -hmm. it's shown time and time again over the last few years from conference championship games to college football playoff games. These are big point-scoring teams, no matter how good your defense is. And at some point, you're going to have to put up your own points. Neither Penn State or Wisconsin are anywhere near being able to keep up with Ohio State, even with how good their defenses are. It's just not happening. No, no, it's not. And I, I, I remember somebody talking about this it was either last night or today. Talking about Noah Kane from Penn State, got hurt last year. He's now back um, playing and looking to have a big year. But at the same time, how, how, how successful can he be when Sean Clifford might not be putting the team in the best spot to be successful? That's always been my question mark about Sean Clifford. Is he the guy that can lead you past Ohio State? Can he lead you past or once he, if, if he gets to the Big Ten Championship, can he get you there? Can he get you past the Michigan Wolverines, who looked really good on Saturday? Now they're not playing, and they're not playing a a team that you're supposed to say, "Oh, we can, we can, we know for sure what Michigan is based off who they played." They played Western Michigan. You're supposed to destroy them. So those are the things I'm looking forward to. Sean Clifford, can Sean Clifford get past Michigan? That's to be determined. I am just still curious with Sean Clifford with Graham Mertz. I don't know if they can score enough points. To beat Ohio State. You mentioned it. I heard one guy works for it was um Chip Patterson works for CBS Sports. He was on the cover three, cover three podcast, and he said twice Ohio State gets off the bus, scores 40 points. They yeah. scored 45 on Thursday, could have easily scored 50, 55 points 
even if they did the same thing on defense, played everybody and their mama on defense, if they simply played two running backs, that first half is completely different. So I do firmly believe Ohio State is that team that scores so many points. And I don't know if Iowa, if Wisconsin, if Penn State, if Indiana, if Michigan can score 40-plus points against Ohio State. Ohio State, as Tom Allen said at Big Ten Media Days, is the gold standard. And right now, everybody else is still trying to find a way to compete, not beat, but to compete with that gold standard. Well, here's the good part of it all, is that no matter if you won or lost in any of these big matchups, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Indiana, it was all against teams that were in your conference, of course, but across the division. So you still do control your own fate the rest of the way, so to say, as far as winning that Big Ten title goes. Now let's move on to the other matchup, Jay. But before we do, we did have, of course, Kevin McGuire of our Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. He did a quick post-game recap like you did with Ohio State right after the matchup on Saturday. We'll get you his quick reaction, then we'll be right back here on Locked On Big Ten. The season is finally here, and Penn State is in the win column. Unlike last year's disaster of a start with an 0-5 record to start the year, Penn State gets the 2021 season off on the right foot thanks to a tremendous effort and a gutsy effort from the entire defensive side of the football. Penn State has some kinks to work out as far as the offense is concerned, but a 16-10 victory on the road against Wisconsin, that certainly gets your season started off on the right foot. Jaquan Brisker, story of the day, four times he needed medical attention at least, and he comes up with a big interception late in the game, some big tackles throughout the course of the game when he's on the field. Ellis Brooks had a fantastic afternoon as well before he was ejected for targeting, and Jair Brown comes up with a game-sealing interception in the final moments of the game, a brilliant effort from the entire defensive side of the football for Penn State. Still things to work on with the offense, but now they get a win under the belt going into week two. It's a much better feeling than it was a year ago. And I'm Kevin McGuire, and we will continue to talk about it on Locked On Nittany Lions. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten, here to tell you a little bit more about Built Bar, helping you get the show here today. Built Bar is the place to go for all of your protein needs. They have more than 15 grams of protein per bar with less than 5 net grams of carbs and 5 grams of sugars as well. It's all the healthy stuff you want without any of that unwanted filler, but great flavor too. Built Bar has 100% chocolate in every single bar, and these things taste outstanding. People are loving the new grasshopper flavor. It's supposed to be a little bit of a play on the mint brownie Girl Scout cookies that people like so much. So you can go and try that or any other flavor out right now at BuiltBar.com and save some money by using our promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So you know these guys are legit. That's Built Bar helping you get the show here today. And we thank you, Built Bar. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten. BetOnline.ag is the place to go for any of your online sportsbook needs. The baseball season is back underway. The NBA Finals are wrapping up. And of course, I know you're already looking at some of those football futures for the fall as well. 
whatever your need may be. As far as sports betting goes, betonline.ag can help you make your money. Head on over to betonline.ag right now for all the best lines, all the news you need to make sure you're up to date before you put those bets in, and we'll get you some free money to start out with too. If you go to betonline.ag right now and use our promo code Locked On. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on top of whatever you put into your account that first time you put money in. Just add it on for free. Thanks to the people over at BetOnline. It's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten. Alongside our Monday co-host and the host of Locked On Buckeyes every single weekday, Jay Stevens. I'm Nate Dickinson. We're breaking down the games around the Big Ten from week one. We just finished up talking Penn State, Wisconsin. And thanks again to Kevin McGuire for joining us for just a sec with his little breakdown right after the post game on Saturday. But now let's talk about the rest of the matchups around the Big Ten, Jay. We'll start with the biggest one of them all, of course, the one that followed up that Penn State, Wisconsin game. And maybe the biggest surprise as far as the result, or I'm sorry, Iowa, absolutely blowing out Indiana in a matchup that was never really closed from the start. And the star of the Big Ten, the star boy of the Big Ten that was supposed to break out here, Michael Penix Jr., looked miserable at times. What happened? Uh, uh, he showed who he is. He's not an accurate passer. And when you're not an accurate passer, you get two pick sixes by one player. And that's just a quick synopsis of that game. Michael Penix Jr. has been very, very hyped. You're a lefty. You're at Indiana, a school that normally has decent quarterback play. Um, when Kevin Wilson, the now co- offensive coordinator at Ohio State, when he was the head man, the head coach at Indiana, they had really good offenses, really good running backs, really good offensive lines. The defense, not so much. Tom Allen, kind of the opposite right now. The defense is really good. The offense is good, but you're seeing that the quarterback is not the same caliber, caliber quarterback that we used to see under Kevin Wilson. Michael Penix Jr., I have not been a high, I have not, I have been okay on him, kind of mediocre, right in the middle. I've not been as high on him as other people have been. And I think that we saw on Saturday what is going to happen to Michael Penix Jr. if he is not a an accurate passer. There was one pick six, the second one. Uh, the young man's name, last name, also his first name, first name escapes me. But for some odd reason, I am looking at the play, and I'm trying to figure out what the role Michael Penix Jr. is doing when he doesn't see Moss kind of reading, automatically reading the play. Michael Penix Jr. telegraphs his pass. I don't even know who the pass was to because before you know it, Moss is in the end zone for his second pick six. The first one came within the first three minutes of the game. So Michael Penix Jr. and him not being accurate got put on front street. How good is Iowa's defense? I have no idea. I don't. Do I think that Penn State and Wisconsin, we talked about them earlier, do I think their defenses will actually stick to what we saw on uh, Saturday? I hope so, but I don't know. I don't know how good Iowa's defense is. But if they're playing like that against other Big Ten opponents, that Iowa-Wisconsin game, forget that. That's down the road. That Iowa-Iowa State game on Saturday, that's going to be a big-time matchup, a more fierce matchup than I think a lot of people thought it would be. I mean, when we're talking about teams to play against Ohio State, which has kind of been a running theme throughout this week one conversation, Jay, I mean, Iowa's the team that looked the best out of anyone outside of the Buckeyes throughout all of the Big Ten. And you mentioned two pick sixes for one guy's a little bit tough. I don't know if Iowa corners switch sides throughout the game, depending on coverage, but 
those are both right in the same coverage area that Ross was able to take both of them back from. So it's, yeah, just not look a good look for Michael Penix Jr. And a lot for Indiana football to try and figure out. I mean, where are your expectations now at for the Hoosiers? That's a game that surely confuses a whole lot of people as to what to expect the rest of the way. Well, honestly, I always viewed that Iowa matchup as a toss-up. Either team could win that. To me, that doesn't really detour or alter how I view Indiana football. I was thinking more they're an 8-4 and four football team this year. At worst, at, I mean literally, at worst, 7-5. and five. I think this team is still good enough to be bowl eligible to go to a bowl on latter part of December. Not a New Year's Six Bowl, but latter part of December. They're probably going to be, I've always said second in the Big Ten. Behind, Big Ten East, excuse me. Big Ten East behind Ohio State. Because I was unsure on, I had more questions about Penn State than I had about Indiana, and I had yeah. questions about Michigan. Could they still be eight and four and be third or fourth in the Big Ten East? That is true. We still have questions. I have questions about Penn State, consistency on offense, questions about Michigan. They looked really good against Western Michigan, but is that just a flash right in front of us? Do you lose Ronnie Bell for the season? How are all these things going to work out? In Indiana, Michael Penix Jr., do we see that guy all year long? Or do we see the guy we saw last year against Penn State week one that won the game in overtime? There's a week one things. I try my best not to overreact. I do have my whole thing of break the season down into quarters, three, 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 and three, three games, three games, so on and so forth. And then evaluate the first three games of the season and then try to formulate an opinion about how the next nine games will go. This is one game out of 12, not one of one. So, for me, Michael Penix Jr., Indiana, they're still one of you right there in the hunt to compete with Ohio State. I just don't know if we're going to get that Penix Jr. all year long or a version of what we, or a version of what we saw last year. Well, seven and five, eight and four, bull eligible is a fine season, but the expectations were a little bit higher in yeah. Bloomington going into the weekend. Certainly not there, I don't think, anywhere or around there anymore. But, Jay, as we get into the end of the program here, obviously there are all sorts of other Big Ten games that we need to get into, and we will get into more throughout the week. But we wanted to cover the big things here, of course. I want to ask you, though, before we leave, just kind of your biggest takeaways from the rest of the games in the Big Ten, because a whole lot of teams looked good. It was a pretty good look for the conference this weekend overall. A couple of non-conference wins over Power 5 schools, Purdue and Maryland getting the job done there. These schools looked good. I want to know from you, first off, what do you think your biggest takeaway from that first week was from anything that happened in the Big Ten? First big takeaway, it's going to go to the Big Ten East. And I believe the Big Ten East was, I think I saw the record was 6-1. and one. Michigan State beat Northwestern. Penn State beat Wisconsin, both East versus West. Michigan won. Nebraska, no, that's West. Uh, Rutgers won. Maryland won. I think the only loss was Indiana from those Big Ten East schools. And when you're looking and looking at schools like Michigan State with what we saw last year, beating Northwestern, who was in the Big Ten championship game last year, that's a huge thing. When you look at Rutgers and what Greg Schiano was doing over there, and he's actually talked about how more guy, more Jersey kids are staying in Jersey and going to Rutgers. That's a phenomenal thing. 61 points? I don't care who you're playing. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Good job for Greg Schiano and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Talia Tungvaluwa and the whole offense there at Maryland. The defense still looks bad, but you still find a way to beat West Virginia 
by six points. And there was another school that I was going to talk. Oh, Michigan Wolverines. Now, I'm not surprised now that I forgot them because I was talking to my friend earlier. They're like, forget talking about Michigan. But 47 to 14 against Western Michigan, is this something? Like we talked about with, with Wisconsin and Penn State. Michigan looked good. Is it sustainable? That's my only question. My biggest takeaway, though, Big Ten East looked really good in week one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Nebraska-Fordham matchup was just a ridiculous one. But, I mean, <laughs> Michigan-Western Michigan and Temple-Rutgers, those were only a couple of touchdown spreads, and they just absolutely blew the doors off them. So it was a good look in those games. We mentioned Purdue and Maryland got the job done in conferences or out of conference as well. I was thinking this over the weekend. I didn't post it or anything, but it's good enough to say in a podcast, I guess. I think Maryland's what like Nebraska wants to be. If Nebraska could be at least a little bit better on offense and a little competent on defense too. But I I don't know how high the ceiling is for the Terrapins either. But again, my biggest takeaway, I guess if I had to take one thing would be that Northwestern's not competing for anything over on that West side. I mean, maybe a lot of people already knew this. The Big Ten media was kind of voting this way at media days, but this was a team that was still in the other receiving votes as far as the first polls in this season. That's a that's done. Like everyone's kind of exposed to who Northwestern is now. Like, well, maybe Michigan State's really good, but if you ask me, I think we found out over the weekend that Northwestern is not going to be a team that's going to be able to compete for really much of anything in the Big Ten except for maybe a one or two week upset. I, I don't know, but I, I think that Northwestern's way, way down. And that I said this before the week losing to Michigan state. I think Northwestern had the most to lose as far as just the look and reputation of the team going into its first game of the season. Jay, as we go into now the back end here, one more final thing for you. What do you think's biggest overreaction people will have to the first week of big 10 football? Again, we could go anywhere as specific or broad as you like. It's just simple. It's three words. Michigan is back. Please don't do that. Please let's not go that far. It's one game. Like I said earlier, I do my own evaluation for the team that I cover and also the other schools as well after the first three games that they have played. Yes, Nebraska and Illinois have played more games than everybody else, so we may have some more answers to those schools than others, but let's not do this. We've heard this from Texas. When, um, wow, what, the, Sam Ellinger was there. They won the Cotton Bowl. We're back, and nothing changed. <laughs> I'm not saying anything's going to change, but I don't think Michigan is back in the definition of the word back. Let's not do this. It's one game. Saying Michigan is back, and the Wolverine fans, you've been, you've been trying to fight and grab and claw for this to happen. Let's not go that far just yet. Let's not say Michigan is back. I'm sure, I am very sure, on some of the articles you're reading or on some of the podcasts you're listening to, maybe even on YouTube, someone's going to say Michigan is back. I hope you say, not so fast, my friend. It's only one game. Let's see how the season goes. Well, you know, there will be eyes on Ann Arbor no matter how many wins or losses go around the Wolverines. But, of course, there will be those people who are a little bit ahead of themselves as to how optimistic they are with that team. Well, Jay, for my side of this, I, I want to go back to the Ohio State game Thursday. You'll know the stat better than I do. I don't have it ready. How, how many What was it? Five touchdowns of at least like 30-something yards that the Buckeyes had against the Minnesota Gophers defense last I week? I want to say five of 30. I think it was uh, over 38 yards. 
Right. It was something along that nature, multiple of like more than 50 yards from across midfield. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the biggest overreaction we'll have is to that Minnesota defense because while it looked really bad against Ohio State, it, it did again have a pretty good first half against the Buckeyes. And maybe I'm a little bit of an overreaction to saying how people think about this, but. I feel like that number will be thrown around Minnesota a whole lot this week because it's something that was a weakness last year too, avoiding that big play and also avoiding stopping or or being able to stop that run. Minnesota, I think, is a decent team, and I think that defense is going to be improved. Just didn't show it at all last week, and I think a whole lot of people are going to be talking about it as this week continues. But again, like you said, you don't talk about teams or really review teams until a few games in probably the smart way to go about things, which means that we'll have plenty to talk about over the next few weeks with Jay Stevens right here on Locked On Big Ten. He's with us every single Monday. We'll have Kevin McGuire back in with us tomorrow right here on the show. And Jay, this weekend, who who, who is it the Buckeyes have again? I haven't looked at the schedules. The Oregon Ducks. The Oregon Ducks come from Eugene. Yep. September 11th, 12 o'clock on Fox. 12 o'clock Eastern on Fox. I thought there was a game in between there. All right. Well, the big ones this weekend then. Oregon, Ohio State. Give me something to look forward to. And then we'll, of course, talk about it again before the week's done once I look up that and all the other games on the Big Ten schedule. Until next week on Monday when we have Jay back again, thank you for coming in as always. Remind the people where they can find you in between your Monday appearances here. You guys can always follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. We'll not only be, t- be tweeting about Ohio State, but other things going on around the Big Ten Football Conference. And, of course, I'm at Nate with Sports on the personal Twitter. The show account is at LockedOnBigTen. That's one zero, not T-E-N, on the handle. And, of course, follow us wherever you're listening into the podcast. Follow Locked On Buckeyes with Jay wherever you're listening in now as well. Until tomorrow, I'm Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten.